0: This is episode 1015, my interview with Emma Livingstone. We're discussing her charity organization, Helping Adults Deal With Cerebral Porsley. Enjoy. All right, guys, here at the Hidden Life Podcast, we've got Emma Livingstone with us today, and we're discussing her wonderful charity about cerebral palsy, um, or CP. Um, I just want to jump into it, Emma. I mean, it's it's a wonderful thing that you're doing. Someone's um, you know committing your life to helping others with that. I always, you know, really value that and appreciate that. Um, But can you explain to me what cerebral palsy is?
1: Yeah, so really, um, all it really stands for is is kind of a a brain injury that happens um, uh, before, during or after birth, actually. They give children um, a a diagnosis of cerebral palsy up until they're two years old. So it's Uh something that happens in in childhood. And for me... um, Happens through birth? Um, yeah it used to be thought it was because of a traumatic birth injury but now researchers are telling us that it might be something to do with what's happening in the womb before they're born right we don't really know Um, but it can affect somebody in in very many different ways um, depending on where the brain injury um, occurs and how severe that brain injury was
0: okay so it happens before birth so not from the trauma of birth but
1: Uh, so they don't really know when I was born it was felt it was because of um, trauma during birth but now there's much more information out there and much more research looking at potentially why that might happen or what happened during um, during pregnancy that could have caused it too so there's lots of different hypotheses out there
0: right okay so when when you're talking about um, some sort of brain injury there's obviously levels of that then
1: yes yeah Yeah. there's um uh, different people will present quite differently um, and uh the actual brain injury that happens isn't progressive so the brain injury that I got at birth was is still the same but living lifelong with it means that you can have a de- um, degenerative impact on your body at least that's what I'm now finding
0: really um yes, and that's, I mean you seem quite fun. normal to me like I don't see how would you detect <laughs> this
1: I seem quite normal well, that's fantastic um so i have a problem um with walking i have problem with my right arm and using ah. it um so yes so and these things are, are getting slightly worse as i'm getting getting older so
0: why do they get worse is it why is it degenerative so this
1: is, well this is the new information that everybody's um finding out now if you think about it your your body was designed to move in in a particular way and what the body is great in doing is adapting to um you to using different muscles to help you move and get around Um, but if you use though if you use that all the time and you overuse it then you get um issues around arthritis and you get um issues with um uh fatigue because we know that somebody with cerebral palsy probably uses about six times more energy to move than somebody who doesn't have a um, difficulty moving, so therefore there's problems with fatigue. Actually, um, all these conversations around long COVID that people are having now about um, uh, muscle deterioration and fatigue and all the things that they're presenting with, very much similar to what it's like living long-term with a condition.
0: Oh, okay. So you're saying the similarities there from being infected with COVID is that the lack of energy...
1: I, I don't know if it's exactly the same, but the language that people are using it now to describe it is the is some of the symptoms that are similar to the CP community.
0: Okay. So you're saying part of your brain was damaged during or, or through birth or something, and that's caused a lack of movement. Did you say in your left side or was it? In,
1: in my right, actually, in my right, right leg and my right arm, yeah.
0: Right leg and right arm. So does that part of the brain stay that way forever? Do you know? Much yes, older. it yeah. does. Yeah, so yeah. Throughout your life, your right side, your arm and leg. So you can use it, obviously. You can move and...
1: I can. Now, yeah. as I've gotten older, I'm using crutches more and sometimes I use a wheelchair to get around. Um, mm. But when I was younger, I, I learned to walk by the time I was about three um, and I was walking independently um, up until I was um, in my late 20s when things started to go wrong a little bit for me.
0: Okay, is that because other parts of your brain take over, or is it because you're using, like I don't know, more more of your left side to do things? Like, what's happening there with the deterioration of, of that? Well,
1: actually, it's a really interesting question. Those are the things that I started asking questions about as somebody who was living with a condition, and there wasn't really very much information. Mm. Um, what we think now is just it's kind of overuse, using your body in a different way. Um, we also know that we're more at risk of certain underlying conditions um, that could be causing a problem Um, what do you mean
0: so the more risk at underlying
1: we're we're now finding that perhaps somebody with cerebral palsy might be more at risk of cardiovascular disease or with arthritis or with mental health issues Um, and we don't know whether that's environmental because of the way that we live or Ah. whether that's because of um, some neurology because it's an it's a neurological condition so we don't really know the answers to that. Um, and as I say, even though it's the largest, well, definitely in the UK, it's the largest cohort of people with disabilities. And um, there's about 130,000 adults in the UK with um, mm-hmm. cerebral, cerebral palsy, but it was considered a childhood disability. So when I was um, born, I was seen for physiotherapy and support until I was about 16 um, and then the uh, doctors in their wisdom thought, right, well, we've got you to the best that you can be. Um, and I was walking around independently and I was going to school and I went to university and I did all the things that you kind of might expect. Yeah. Um, so they discharged me saying I was going to be the best I was going to be. And then what we, we are experiencing as a population is as we get older and as we age, things start to get worse for us. And okay. there wasn't the information support out there. Kind of makes sense, know, like
0: you know, to support you through those those growing years, um, yeah. because you know, hopefully, by the time you're 16, you're more independent and capable of doing your own research and you know, self support. Yeah. Um, but what you're saying is that you saw a need there for helping people beyond 16 and into their adulthood, mm-hmm. um, continue with that that support. Is that right?
1: Yeah. And definitely in the UK, actually in Australia, they're a little bit further ahead. Um, but in the UK, there weren't, there aren't any services to support adults with CP. Um, so one of the things the charity is doing is lobbying our government and trying to show that actually with many other lifelong conditions, you can get support, but um, for CP, there is very little. So that's one of the things that the charity is trying to do. Um, so we try and lobby the government um, and try and lobby policymakers to make a change so that there are more services available for people with CP
0: good work lucky work did you set up this charity did you
1: yeah it kind of was born out of the fact that I was having difficulties and nobody that I could find could help me so I started asking questions and finding out information and then I I guess um the charity was born out of wanting to share that new information I was finding with other people
0: yeah well yeah so can I ask you and you don't have to answer me but how old are you now
1: 45.
0: <laughs> well, you don't look that old.
1: Oh, um, thank you. I would
0: have thought younger than that. But so how long has this charity been running for?
1: So we've been running since 2018. Although I think I made a decision on my 40th birthday I think that um, I, I was sitting around with my husband. Um, we were having some precious time, just the two of us away yeah. from my three kids. And I was a bit frustrated. I'd just had... Um, another major surgery and I was frustrated with the lack of understanding and support that I was getting and he said to me well if you don't like it do something about it Um, which made me start start asking questions he is a great man he puts that with me
0: supporting you through (laughs) that so Sarah is CP um, mostly related to body functions is that what it affects or is you know can other parts of the Brain get damaged to stop you know speech and you know all sorts yeah. of things.
1: Yeah, so um, so I uh, you know I count myself very fortunate that um, CP purely affects me physically. Yeah, right. um, yeah. Other people uh, it will affect their speech. It might affect their cognition, so their learning. Um, just depending which part of the brain is yeah, it, it depends, and also there's different types of cerebral palsy. So my muscles are quite tight, so that's it's called spastic um but but other people are more floppy and flaccid and uh, move around a lot so there are lots of different presentations of cerebral palsy too it yeah. really is a big umbrella term
0: well i guess the brain's an important piece of the body isn't it to uh control most yeah. of that function so it if is if any part of that you're going to have some issues there um <laughs> It's amazing. I'm, I'm really intrigued about, you know, it'd be nice to know, I guess the science is probably looking into it, but how it actually occurs, you know, and what, what is what is happening before birth for that to happen.
1: I think I think the easiest way to to describe it is that in some ways there's some oxygen starvation to the brain. So what we know about brain cells is once they die, they die. They don't regenerate like the rest of the body. So in a way, because of oxygen starvation, for one reason or another some of the brain cells um, die and therefore you get an area of the brain that doesn't work properly. And oh. what the brain is brilliant at doing is rewiring and helping you in some ways, but not in not in every way.
0: Gotcha. Okay. That's well well explained. Um, I had another question for you there. I've just lost it. So with, okay. with um, CP, do you know the rough, like how many people are born with CP in the UK sort of thing?
1: Is it one it's in... about one in 400 births. Okay. I think the incident rate is yeah. Yeah. Um. But what we know because, um, it kind of mirrors the ageing population that we've got universally. That, um, we think there's about 160,000 people in the UK at the moment with CP, yeah. and 130,000 of those are adults. Gotcha. Okay. So, um. So, with the the larger cohort is 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 of adults, and, um, historically it was thought that. Um, Like I say that things didn't change, but the other thing that's changed with information and science is that we now understand that um, that life expectancy for somebody with CP is equivalent to the normal population, whereas I think historically it was thought that people might not live into their adulthood, so maybe that's why there wasn't services developed for them, but actually we now know that that's not the, the case.
0: Okay, is there a shortened life expectancy for people with cerebral palsy?
1: no so now now we know there isn't there but isn't. i think that was that was the thought um, way back when
0: well it sort of almost makes sense i mean if you say you're deteriorating in you know um, your ability to move and stuff that that'll weaken other parts of your your body and your immunity maybe even and maybe the-
1: and i think for some people that might be more severely affected so if their lungs are affected and things like that that might be the case, but it certainly isn't the case for the majority of people now. That's
0: interesting, isn't it? Well, wow. okay. So with your charity, I mean, how many, how does this work? How does your charity work? Do you do you actually do this the supporting work for those people? Or um... Yes.
1: So I'm really passionate about um giving people information and giving people the the tools and the support to um to live a better life with the conditions. So understanding that things like keeping moving, doing exercise, having good nutrition, um, and things like that are really supportive. Um, and a more of a so, motivational
0: sort of coaching piece.
1: Well, I guess I've got a coaching background, so um, I understand that. But I, I also think that, um, that in order to live your best life, you have to have the most information about your condition and you need to own it yourself. And if you, with that, then you can make the decisions and the choices for you so I think you know that it's a combination of two things Um, so we work really closely with the researchers to try and understand both about the condition for adults but how to best help and support adults Um, and then we try and inform and educate the community about the ways that they can live in order to um, to help themselves we provide support groups and things so other people can meet other people with CP and and share that support and like I said before the other big thing we do is to campaign and lobby for a better understanding of CP and better services, hmm. because we know that there is a degenerative impact, but we also know there are things that we can do in order to stop that happening or to yeah. at least slow that down.
0: Yeah, there's a couple of good points there. I mean, I think generally, whether you have CP or not, you know, if you if you understand yourself, your mind, your body, um, you need to take ownership of that. It's your vessel. Um, yeah, you can't rely on others or external factors to try and you know help you with that um no. and if you can master that which I still haven't mastered it, and this is why I started the podcast to try and figure out who I am and what I'm about so I can self-improve and really help myself but um long way to go but come a long way as well so I think it's it's a life journey anyway um, but I really like that I think that's a really important point
1: I think if you live in integrity yeah if you live it with your beliefs then then I think that that's your purpose Uh, And I think that, um, and and, and I didn't realise this, but apparently a lot of the time that I say to people, you need to learn to own it, to actually own and accept you and who you are, and then other people will accept that. Yeah. You have to get comfortable with yourself.
0: Yeah, yeah. And that's, you know, for some people it's probably quicker than others, but that took me quite a long time, you know, to get comfortable with myself. I don't know if I'm still 100% comfortable with myself, but. I'm certainly a lot more aligned with that and the integrity piece as well. I think that's really important too. Um, and if you can figure those two things out, you'll, you'll just have a, a more enjoyable, you know, experience in life. Uh,
1: most definitely. I think the other thing that's really important for me is to appreciate diversity and and the different things that people bring to the table. I don't, controversially, I don't think that everybody's equal. I think everybody's different and brings something different to the table, and that we should celebrate that diversity. Mm. Um, and I should, and I, and the other thing that I think is that I, I don't know if it's happening in the in Australia, but here, um, lots of people are are talking about um, if you can't see it, you can't be it. So unless we have people out there showcasing the fact that you can live a good life with cerebral palsy, that you can be an MP or you can be a comedian, or you can be a social worker, and you can live a good life, then there are people that need to see that. We need to see role models. We need to see people achieving. Um, so that we've um, so that we, you know, we can, I, I hate the word inspire. <laughs> I don't like, I don't like being told that I'm inspirational or that it's inspiration porn for other people, but I do think people need to see role model, role models. Why
0: don't you like inspire?
1: And I I like to, I think there is a difference between saying that you want to inspire people to live better and feel better and be the best that they can be, to uh, when they see me living my life, apparently I'm inspirational because I've got a degree, or because I've got three children, or because I try and hold down a job. Um, But for me, that's just living my life. That's not, you know, I don't have... For me, I don't have a choice but getting out every day because I've got three children and that's the choice I made and I want to live a good life for them.
0: You're just being humble because it's I easy don't... to consider you as inspirational because, uh-huh. like you said, <laughs> if you can't see it, you can't be it. So what people are yeah, seeing, no, is they're going, wow, she's inspirational. I wish I could be more like that, you know, being able to live with CP and doing all that she does.
1: Exactly. And I, I know, I think that's good. I just don't like being seen as inspirational just because I live my life. So I've just got a doctor's report who met me for five minutes. And this first line is, I think you're inspirational. But all I was doing was saying, well, I'm living with with my, my kids and I want to I want to live pain free if I possibly can.
0: Hmm. Yeah, that's inspirational, man.
1: <laughs> well, that's fine. <laughs>
0: um,
1: as long as it's um, used for, for the good. And that's fine. By yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. I um, do you think there's a lot of people with CP that are undetected or undiagnosed?
1: You know, it's a really interesting question. The more people I meet now with cerebral palsy, the more I'm um, seeing people that didn't realise that that's what was going on for them till later. Yeah. And the other thing that that went on, um, I hope it doesn't happen now, but that doctors made those diagnoses but didn't necessarily share them. Um, so there are a few people that have found out that they've got CP later on in life when things mm-hmm. were were going wrong for them and they were seeking support from physiotherapists or people, and then they look back in their medical notes and someone had said something somewhere, but they hadn't communicated that. That's quite scary, I think. But um yeah, it does happen.
0: And it it's yeah. scary. Yeah. Shouldn't happen. But, but I think
1: more maybe. and more I, I would hope that the children that are born now. Like the medical profession is 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 different now, and there's a lot more openness and a lot more um, communication and a lot more people willing to make diagnoses than they were. Um, earlier. Yeah. But I think that happens for people like me, perhaps who were who presented as less severely. I mean, definitely, if you've got CP um, and it was really affecting how you sit and how you move and how you eat, then those people would have been detected because they need support throughout their lives.
0: Yeah. Yeah. When you when you're talking to the, the adult community with CP, do you find some resistance there of, of what you're doing?
1: Um, I've found a lot of support um, yep. uh, from from people saying yes, these are my experience. Unfortunately, when I when I started looking for support and understanding. I found a community that was pretty disgruntled and dissatisfied and unhappy with the experiences that they've had that no one's believed that things are getting worse for them and there's very little support but that for me having that attitude although I completely understand it um, I, I tried to approach it slightly differently and say okay I understand why you thought that we didn't need support but now we understand that we do let's move forward and let's move forward in a positive way and and sometimes that's difficult for people to accept that Mm. i i don't hold the bitterness that others do although i really do understand that you know if you've really struggled to get support and help that um that that would be the way that you feel um but for me that, that that's not a useful feeling or it's not and don't get me wrong there isn't there is times when i get Feel, do feel like that, but I don't think it's useful for me to stay feeling like that because it mm. doesn't do me any favors.
0: Doesn't help, no. Um, I was just going to ask another question about the resistance of people with CP, um, and as it relates to so, when you're because as a, a member of society myself, I have no experience around this topic because um, nice. I have no exposure to it. So I'm I'm very. Uneducated, I suppose. speaking with you today, I'm learning a lot. With people like myself that are very uneducated, what can we do to better understand the, the people with CP and, and therefore hopefully be able, able to better help out in the community with that too? Does that make sense?
1: Yeah, I think um, I think historically the image particularly in this country, and I I don't know what it's like in Australia, but Hmm. um, particularly in this country, um, people normally when you talk about cerebral palsy um, have an impression that somebody with cerebral palsy is very disabled, um, that needs lifelong support. And and there is certainly a proportion of our community that do, but there is also a larger percentage of our population who are um, more able-bodied like I am and do have the abilities to... Um, hold down a job and to have a family um and and to live to to live I don't like the word but an inverted commas normal life um, and, and what I'd ask of of society I suppose is to embrace the difference and the qualities that the people that I've lived a slightly different life bring to the table um, that that you know I I worked um, for a very long time till I couldn't as a speech and language therapist and working with other people with disabilities, I brought some empathy and understanding to the table that other people wouldn't have have, um, brought. Um, And that having people with um, diversity in your community brings richness um, and that I think unfortunately um, because of legislation and because things are the way they are, um, sometimes Uh, people with disabilities are seen as um, a tick box, that we've got these in our community and and, and we have to account for them, but actually that's going to cause us a problem. And whilst people with disabilities are are seen as somebody that we just have to accommodate and we have to make extra um, allowances for, which you do, and you don't see the positive of having somebody with, with diverse, rich experience of life, In your organizations or in your life then if you don't see the positive then you're always going to be resentful even if you aren't consciously you are subconsciously
0: Mm. yeah um i mean i wouldn't even know how to yeah i guess because would you come forward and let people know of your condition like is that is that something that you'd do like (laughs) i I couldn't imagine you would but Maybe it's uh, Well, I
1: do now. I, you know, um, my family actually laugh at me because until I was about twenty-five and I mm. or thirty, when I said I didn't really talk about the fact that I had CP. I went to a mainstream school. Um, I had a mainstream life, and um, yes, I walked slower than everybody else, and I fell more often. And but I just got back up and got on with it, and I didn't really talk about it. It was just something that I was dealing with. And I didn't want to be seen as different but now I've learned to uh to own it only as a condition Well, again like um, you said
0: before owning yourself is is important exactly and and learning
1: learning how to ask for help was a really big um step for me and it is for many of us in our community particularly those that have gone to mainstream school and you know mixed with um other children who potentially didn't have difficulties like them we've always tried to um, be the same or be better to prove our worth I think the other members of my community that I support who perhaps went to um, um, special needs schools and things have Mm. always lived in a community where people were different and those differences were embraced and they find that a lot easier
0: yeah do you feel like a lot can you relate can a lot of other people with cerebral palsy relate to your experience of not really telling people that you had it during childhood, we yeah. are child to hide it and cover
1: it and just fit in? Yeah. I, there are definitely lots of us out there. I, yeah. um, we, re- we started running some support groups during COVID when people were very isolated. Mm. Um, and lots of people that we meet say, I've never actually met anybody else with CP before. Isn't it amazing to say, oh, you know, I've had similar experiences. And, and actually, the value of meeting somebody else who's more like you um, people have got a lot out of that, so yeah, there are definitely people like me that, you know, were um, in the minority growing up.
0: Yeah, yeah. How did that make you feel like experiencing growing up with CP? Did you have was there anxiety issues there or anything that you struggle with? I mean, you sound like a pretty strong sort of woman with a pretty high level. I think I am end.
1: now. I- I think I'm very different than I was as a a child. You'd hope so. Um, I I think I was quite anxious. I I, um, always set the bar very high for myself. Um, And I I always felt like I was trying to keep up, both Mm. (laughs) physically and metaphorically. Um, But um, I think I've grown in confidence as I've gotten older. And I think as you get older, you find more your kind of people. And, um, and like I say, once I became, actually the change came for me when I went to university and I met a group of people who didn't have disabilities or anything like that, but they were just quite willing to accept me for who I was. And then once you meet those kind of people, then it's okay to say, actually, you need to slow down when we're walking down the street because I can't keep up or, you know, um, uh, can, you, can you hold my hand down? Down the stairs because you know i'm finding that difficult i mean but that's but i i didn't have that in terms of my family growing up i had a really supportive family mm, um yeah. so i only felt those things when i was outside the kind of comfort and shell yeah. of my family because in in my family we just kind of got on with it if i fell over they picked me up and carried mm-hmm. on down the street you know it was just kind of that, that kind of um Mentality that it wasn't going to hold me back. And that mm. certainly stood me in good stead.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No, I think it's, um, and it takes courage to ask for help, doesn't it? And whether you've got CP or not, I think everyone needs to learn how to ask for help.
1: Most definitely. I'm not saying that any of the things that I learned are purely because i a got a disability. I think it, it, it's helped, but I think some of these things would help everybody. I think but we've being tried hard, you know. Great.
0: We we just try to save face or ego protect the ego maybe and you know we don't want to ask for help um, and it's a very hard thing to do it's a very hard thing to go up to someone and say hey can you can you assist me in this way whatever way that is you know
1: you know something when I was in Australia I I travelled in Australia for a bit when um uh, when I was younger I was uh, in my uh, late twenties backpacking um, uh, backpacking yeah um and uh and actually you guys have a very different uh, mentality so actually one of the one of the uh, places that i started to change the most was was living in a community where i'd walk into a bar in australia and someone would go hey what have you done and i'd stay look them what what do you want to know for and why are you asking and it's none of your business because it's a very british um mentality not to ask and um, and and to um and not to inquire. But actually, once I realized that people wouldn't, they were interested, but they didn't really care, if you know what I mean, that, that they were just being open and honest and just asking because they were inquisitive. Yeah. And I started freely talking about it. Then I realized that this is okay. It's okay to say that that's the problem. In fact, um, I learned to scuba dive out in Australia. Yeah. Um, and one of the things the guys had to do when I got in the water, was um, put weights on my ankles because I couldn't get the buoyancy. And so I trusted him enough to like put weights on the bottom of my ankles and be at the bottom of the ocean. But it was a real kind of learning for me that if I actually told people what was wrong and what was difficult, then actually I could experience more, not less.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It was funny. I just went to a Kenyan experience recently. So I'm 40 now and it was for a mate's um, bucks party. And yeah. we went through this canyoning experience. Now, I'm, I've always been a young kid and with all my mates, we just jump off cliffs and all, all sorts of crazy stuff. Anyway, we had to jump off a 16-metre or 22-metre high cliff into the water. Um, and I'm a bit fearful of heights now. And I just, I just voiced it to, you know, the, the group. There was, you know, 15 of us, you know, blokes. And so voicing that to a bunch of blokes, you'd think, oh, geez, but I just voiced it. And it was interesting to see how they responded and how they treated me throughout the thing, you know, very supportive. Yeah. Um, totally unexpected, but then, and, and I didn't bring it up because I wanted to have that attention or the support. I just was being yeah. honest, like, hey, you know, this is how I feel. Um, so it's interesting that yeah, you can sort of voice things, and people, people and don't also, care, but they do care, I think.
1: Yeah, and I think the the other experience I had, which was a real game changer, was with me, was that um, I jumped on a tour. Um, with a tour guide when I was out there and we were going to uh, Leroux, Um yeah. and, and I said to them, you know, guys, like, this is great and it's fun, but when we get there, I'll sit in the. I don't, I can't do that distance walking around. Um, so um, if you don't mind, I'll stay in there. Um, you know, I'll come and see it, but I'll stay in the, in the van and, and, and I'll meet you back afterwards. And, and the, and the guide said to me, well, why aren't you even going to give it a go? And I said, what do you mean? He went, here's the keys, do as much as you can and then we'll meet you back here. And we were on the trip for for a week um, going to different places. And, you know, every day I just did that little bit more and little bit more and I challenged myself. And he kind of changed the way that I viewed things Um, just slowly. I think change happens really slowly and it's only... When you look back over time, you can see those points in your life where actually you had a slight mind shift and then that's helped.
0: Yeah. I think one of the best things that I ever did, and it sounds like you're the same, was travel overseas when I was young. Um, And I I, I don't know. I think it's that just um, quite dramatic change of culture and environment that puts you out of your comfort zone in so many different ways and teaches you so many different things. It was a life changing. I went to Japan for three, three and a half years. Um, and that was that changed my life. Um, and I say to all young people, you know, they are all driven for careers and this and that. I say, if I was you, I'd just go, I'd just go traveling for as long as you possibly can. <laughs> life will be here when you get back. And yeah,
1: that's what we say to our kids. I've got, um, three yeah. and, um, and we're kind of waiting to chuck them out into the real world. Like, not that I want them to leave home. I love them dearly, but I can't wait till they experience the world. Um, and I just hope that um, with COVID and everything that's going on, by the time they're ready to go, then they get as much freedom as that we were able to get. Yeah.
0: And I think the earlier, the better too. I think if you, you know, I think nowadays we, we're such helicopter parents and we're so restrictive to what we allow. Cause I don't know, we're more scared or something. I've got two young girls and my wife's almost the opposite to me. She's very um, fearless, I guess, whereas I'm a bit more protective and so I have to learn to be not so protective. But I grew up that way myself, you know. We used to just on the weekends, see you later, and me and my mates would just be cruising around in the suburb, you know, all weekend doing whatever we could. But that sort of experience is, is absolutely different to what the experience I'm seeing kids having now, which is in home, indoors, oh, you can't go anywhere, where are you going, you know, being watched. Um, you know constantly um and it reminds me of a story i read from richard branson i was a a bit of a fan i still am a bit of a fan of him and you know he said his mum gave him that experience where she just really pushed him to be independent as soon as they could and he's you know he's got stories of where he got dropped off and had to find his way home at a very young age and that one story just sat with me going that's what we need to be doing and that's what i felt like when i went to japan i had to i was just dropped off and had to find my way
1: yeah, there's nothing like landing in, in in a strange country. I mean, I was lucky because when my first kind of trip away alone was Australia, where it was English-speaking yeah. um, countries. But there was nothing like landing. I, I remember landing in Perth thinking, OK, I don't have anywhere to stay. I don't know where I am. And, and I have a map. This was before everyone had mobile phones. Yeah. And i just got to survive. Um, But it's like all experiences. I do think that people need to be encouraged to jump off their comfort zones um, occasionally because then that expands your comfort zone, doesn't it?
0: Yeah. So
1: I think that's what we need to do for our kids.
0: Yeah. How old are your kids?
1: So my oldest is 13. And then I have one of um, 11 and one of eight.
0: Mm, Nice. Cool. So what can people do to support you? And how can they find out more about you and your charity?
1: so um, you can check out our website um, which is um uh, adultcphub.org um and and uh have a look at the um the stories and have a look at our campaigns and for other people that have got cerebral palsy there are we hope to have some resources and support networks for them um if you're listening in the uk then um please tweet or talk to your mp about why asking why there's such health inequalities for adults with CP in this country. Um, And uh, yeah, and just kind of um, show your support. That would be brilliant. And remember, if you've got somebody with um, with a disability that they actually bring a richness of experience that actually can benefit you.
0: Mm, mm, Love it. Guys, check it out, make sure you reach out. Um, I'll stick the links in the show notes for this episode. Um, it's been great to have you today, Emma. Thank you.
1: Thanks so much for having me
0: and have a great day. I'm it's about to good to bed. <laughs> it's a bit late there, isn't it? So, it's guys, check out <laughs> The Why um, Until next time, a Thanks, guys, for listening to this episode. I hope you enjoyed what you heard. I hope you love what you're hearing. If you like this episode, guys, or any of the episodes that you're listening to here at The Hidden Why, please do me a favor by sharing it. You can share it with your families. You can share it with your loved ones. You can do that by using your favorite social media channels, using the icons on the platform that you're listening to, The Hidden Why podcast. Also, guys, if you're a fan of the show, please connect with me. Connect with me at thehiddenwhy.com. I love to hear from you. I love to converse with the people that listen to this show to find out what they enjoy, what they don't enjoy, and perhaps if they have any questions or feedback for the show as well. everything with greater purpose and in doing so you will discover your hidden white this is the hidden white my name is lee martin until next time peace passion and purpose see you soon